On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, I recap the Thursday semifinal matchups in the seven conferences that had them. The MAC, SOCON, the NEC, those are just the small conferences. You also have the CAA, the America East, with Albany having a little bit of a scare against UMass Lowell in the second semifinal. And the big boys, the Big East, and the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten, because that proved to be quality afternoon into evening television, especially that second game. There was a fight. Nick Myers has already come out with a statement. Dave Petromala probably wasn't happy about that fight either. We'll also preview tonight's Ivy League semifinal matchups in Columbia, where Yale plays Penn and Cornell plays Brown. And those picks coming up on this latest edition of Across College Lacrosse. What? Hey, hey, episode number 24, and I did promise you we'd be doing these throughout the conference tournament weekend. I am your host, Chris Jastrzemski. Uh, thank you for listening in once again. Second episode in two days. A lot better production-wise and churning out these podcasts than I have the past two weeks. So I'll be making up this entire weekend with that. Tomorrow's show will probably be a little bit shorter because we only have two games, but we'll also preview the championship games for the conferences that played yesterday. The MAC, NEC, Big Ten, America East, Big East, CAA, and SOCON 7. Yesterday, we have one today. We'll get to those after we recap what has happened in those seven conference semifinals. And we will begin... Go right to the big boys, the Big Ten. Probably the best conference that we had yesterday, entertainment-wise and team quality-wise. Maryland beating Rutgers 12-9. Hopkins edging at Ohio State. That game was not what we thought it would be. Not high scoring. A lot of bad defense and not a lot of good offense going on. 6-5 Hopkins was your final. Hopkins didn't get a lot of shots off in that game. I believe in the fourth quarter, it was like 20-something to nine shots. some point, maybe like midway through the fourth quarter before Hopkins got things going. But we'll start off with the top-seeded Terps. More than likely, have a spot clinched for that top seed, if, even if they lose to Hopkins on Saturday. They beat Rutgers, who, by the way, is now again officially on the border of making the tournament. And more than likely, not making the tournament for the third straight year. They are the next Hofstra. They can be kind of good, really good. But they just miss out. They collapse late. They lose big games. And Jules Henningberg is going to be gone after this year. And you have Adam Charlambides, which is a good addition. Kier Mullins will be back, but you won't ever have to, you won't see what would have been Charlene Beattie's Mullins and Henningberg at attack. What would have been is now just an anomaly. More than likely an anomaly. Well, probably an anomaly because Charlene Beattie's is out for the year. But Bubba Fairman had a very good game for Maryland. Three goals. Jared Bernhardt also had three goals. So the young guys stepping up. Wisnowskis, team high, five points, two goals, and three assists. He has flourished in his return back to his, to his home state of Maryland. And Dan Morris, 12 saves on the day, showing why he should have been a first-team All-Big Ten choice. And 
Those, by the way, since I'm on this right now, those all-conference teams, some of them have it right. The America East has it right. No, just because three attackmen, three midfielders with a tie at a fourth, three defensemen, uh, LSM, a short stick D midi, a face-off guy, and a goalie. Some conferences just pick 10 random guys, and that's your all-team. There could be four attackmen, one midfielder, two defensemen, uh, maybe a short stick, and maybe a goalie. For the first team, Big Ten, did not have a goalie on it. Now, I don't know why. I don't know how the voting works for each of those conferences, but I don't understand. If you're having a first team selection and you don't have a position there, that's not a team. That's just a list of names that, hey, these guys did really good. And then this these guys did kind of good too. If you're putting a first team or a second team on, please have all of the positions represented. Dan Morris is probably disappointed, and maybe Colby Kniece, because he was also a second-team goalie, that they weren't on that list. I definitely don't understand. And, probably, and, the, and that Patriot League, too, the second-team All-Patriot League did not have a face-off guy because they had both Connor Gaffney and Joe Varello on the first team. Why not just have a second-team for Fogo as well? It, it befuddles me. Anyways, going back to this game, Rutgers... Connor Vera Cruz, the guy that probably filled in for Charlotte Beatty's three goals, probably his best, I think it was his best game of the year. But too little, too late. Rutgers traded goals for pretty much the majority of the second half. And they were down three, then down two, and then Maryland counted, counted back. And there was a one, uh, the man up goal, the man up. At the end of the third quarter, I think they had like a one-minute man-up or two-minute man-up, whatever it was. You see, it was a yeah two-minute cross-check and Curtis Corley was 53 seconds left. Maryland had a man... I mean, Rutgers had a man-up for two minutes, 53 seconds left in the third quarter. They took a couple shots, but for some reason decided not to hold on to the ball and realized they would have possession to start the fourth quarter. They shot the ball late. They didn't get the ball to start the fourth quarter. They had to get a face-off. I don't think they, they didn't even score on that main up. That could have been a big difference maker and just dumb decision-making by the Scarlet Knights there. And that could have cost them. That probably did cost them a, a tournament spot. A win probably would have helped get them in the NCAA tournament. And like they always do, when anything's on the line, they lose. A terrible... Terrible way to end the season. Kind of a uh, typical way. Doesn't really surprise me that they lost that way. They can't beat the big teams. They can beat Penn State. They can't beat Hopkins. They can't beat Maryland. They need to get by those two teams. Some blue bloods. They can beat Penn State. That's fine. They can get through Ohio State. That's fine. Michigan, that's a no problem deal either. But they need to start chopping away at those big two schools of Maryland and Hopkins. And they're close. It's not they're getting blown up by seven. Three goal games, one goal games, but they come up short every single time. Brian Brack needs to do a better job in figuring out how to get the most out of his players in these big games. And those losses against Army, West Point, and Princeton are probably going to bring him down even worse. If he didn't have those losses, they probably, with the bubble this year... They would probably be in the NCAA tournament with a 
it would be an eight and five, ten and four record. No, eleven and four record. Eleven and four record. Big difference there, especially with the bubble this year. Maryland, they just keep doing their own thing. Austin Henningsen appears to be the top Fogo again, 11-18 from the X. Justin Shockey went 3-for-6. Not a not a uh, bad problem to have there, to have some two good face-off guys on your team. And again, just like last year, when Henningsen struggled, he had Justin Shockey. When he struggled last year, he had John Garino. Look where they went to the championship game, and they won. So good problem to have your Maryland. Second semifinal was a fun, probably the fun best game of the of, of the night. Probably the best game of the night. Hopkins six, Ohio State five. Boring for the most part, but the fourth quarter, if you watched that, really entertaining stuff. Fourth quarter with about nine minutes left. I think Turnball, Brock Turnball, the Hopkins goalie, was trying to clear out of his own zone. Got pushed by a Ohio State player. I think he came up a little bit hurt. And then a scuffle ensued and got on Deadspin, got on our site, got on a lot of places. And it was uh, something that I haven't seen in a in the cross for a while, if ever. I mean, part of it, I've been a part of a f- couple with the Cuse last year when they played Hopkins and that pregame scuffle. And then when they got a little bit jawing at Yale, but it wasn't the same as... Uh, those two, because they were actually fisticuffs flying. Jake Fox was throwing punches. Two players got ejected. Daniel Jones of Hopkins and Christian Feliziani, the backup Fogo for Ohio State. I believe those, both of those players will be suspended for their next game. Jones would be suspended for the Big Ten Championship game. Feliziani, probably the first game of, the, of next season. Because I don't think Ohio State gets in. Uh, but the Buckeyes... Had a very good start to this game. They had a lead. They were leading. Well, they were leading what four three with three thirty three left. They had a halftime lead. Kalmar tied it up with three fourteen left in the third. The Buckeyes got ahead with eleven minutes left, and then Mar again, and then with eleven seconds left, Alex Con Cannon, his first of the day, gave the Blue Jays a in a wild goal a six five win. In a kind of sloppy game, but Hopkins eventually prepa- uh, prevailed. Especially at the face-off X, where they struggled the entire night. Justin Naccio, 11 of 14 from the X. Hunter Morland only went 1 of 5. Cal Prouty took the majority of the face-offs. He only won 2 of 9. So even with the face-offs not performing well, Hopkins still found a way to get through. Eric Evans, shout out to him and Ben Randall that... Buckeye defense, total of six calls turnovers. Borges at one, Randall at two, and Eric Evans at three. Freddie Freibet at one. So eight calls turnovers on, on the night for the Buckeyes for in, in the night. But uh, not enough. Josh Kiernsen only made four saves. Hopkins, it looked like maybe it would have been a Hopkins, another Hopkins typical loss where they kind of played well, and maybe they would have started to lose some momentum, but they picked it up late, two goals. Maybe that turnball hit, who had 16 saves in the night, still playing fantastic. Maybe an All-American consideration goalie. Maybe that jolted the uh, Blue Jays a little bit to get by the Buckeyes. 
I cannot wait for the rivalry game on Saturday. Part two. If we get a three overtime game again, I will be pleased. I will be very, very pleased with that. Uh, Mar had three goals. Shaq Sandwick had two assists. Joel Tinney had two and one. He actually went down a little bit earlier in the game. Came up and he looked like he was fine for the remainder of their game against the Buckeyes. So, Maryland, Johns Hopkins for the Big Ten title. Saturday at 7 o'clock on BTN. Tune in. Must watch lacrosse. Moving on to the Big East, where Beast Baptiste, Trevor Baptiste, broke the all-time face-off wins record, 1,118. Congratulations to the senior from New Jersey. And close by, he went to Villanova for the Big East semifinals, beating Marquette 10-7 in a game that Bill Tierney did not throw away, even though he was playing Marquette. A little bit surprised by that, but also not very surprised because Denver kind of needed that game in order to get a home game if they want one in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Austin French, the big story on offense for the Pioneers with five goals and one assist. Ethan Walker also had two goals. Uh, and the defense did okay. Dylan Johnson, Colin Squires, Dylan Gaines each had a cost turnover. Danny Logan, the short stick D Mitty, coming out with a big cost turnover late in the game. Josh Matt only recorded four saves. But again, Beast Baptiste, 14 of 21 with the faceoff X against Marquette, who has three guys that, that scored goals. John Wagner had three, and then Jack Zarello and Anthony Orsini each had two. Cole Blazer had nine saves in his final appearance. As a Golden Eagle, Zach Melillo went 7 of 20 in his final appearance as a Golden Eagle. I believe Wagner is a senior? Either junior or senior. I think he's a senior. But good season for Marquette. It was a down year, obviously. They didn't have one of their star midfielders due to injury, Tanner Thompson. But they did eventually make the Big East tournament. They were the four seed. But it's still a great feat for them to make the Big East tournament, even though probably they were the there were only four teams that probably had a chance to. Providence looked good this year. St. John's is still getting there. But they were, I believe, last in the Big East, anyways. But a good one for Denver. They will play Georgetown, who became 13-10 winners over Villanova last night. Georgetown led 7-6 in the at the end of the half, but the Hoyers came out in the third quarter, scoring the only two goals in the quarter before Nova cut it to two, but Villanova, even though they cut it to one with 3.02 left, Christian Cuccinello had a goal there. The Hoyers eventually got two goals from Robert Clark and Craig Burge to give the Hoyas another berth in the Big East title game, their first since that really good season they had in 2015. And this is all without... Dane Bucaro. Uh Berg had four goals and one assist. Lucas Wittenberg, the Mercer transfer, had a goal and three assists. And Robert Clark had two goals. And uh, Nick Morocco made 12 saves, four of them in the third quarter. Peter Tagliaferri dominated from the faceoff X against a mixture of Connor Kirst, Owen Pobilski, Corey McManus, and TJ Comizio. No Dane Fisher. I was a little surprised by that. Maybe he's hurt. 19 of 24 overall for Tagliaferri, the senior. Now, when both of these teams played, Denver and Georgetown played, the Pioneers 
came out of that game. It was a tough game in Georgetown. Hoyas were leading the majority of that game up until the fourth quarter when Denver got on a little run. They won 6-5. to five. That was with Daniel Bocaro for the Hoyas. They did not have, Denver did not have um, uh, Sean Mayo for that game. I think it was the first game they didn't have Mayo. And now he's eventually out due to uh, ineligibility concerns. Denver scored three goals in that fourth quarter. And Bucaro scored. Actually, he was held scoreless. In, well, he was out goalless. He had an assist on that second goal to Craig Burge, who finished up with three goals on the day. So, maybe they're fine. Maybe we see a similar result, but unless Denver learns from their past, they should cruise past the Hoyas. Georgetown needs to win because they are definitely not a an at-large bit right now in this massive bubble that we have of really, really bad teams. Josh Matt, I believe this is his first game in goal, or second. I think the second name after Ohio State, replacing Alex Reddy. Both of these teams have certainly changed, especially Georgetown, as I mentioned, without Dane Bucaro. Denver has changed a little bit. They are very, very good, a very good defensive team. Even with Baptiste, they are a very good defensive team. Georgetown showed that they could stay in the game even though they were dominated from the faceoff X. So this should be a fun Saturday night, and I would not be surprised if the Hoyas took home the Big East title. But I still think Denver will win. That game, I believe, 2 o'clock on CBS Sports Network Saturday afternoon. The CAA, where almost every... I, I guess everything went to normal there. Uh, UMass beating Hofstra 10-6. to Hofstra's out, finally. And Towson overcoming a late Delaware run. 5-1 fourth quarter for the Blue Hens. Towson led 8-4 with 10-30 left. But Joe Isol had two goals. Charlie Kitchen and Will Hirschman... Made this game an overtime needed for overtime. Matt Severo scored the game winner there for Towson. 9-8, your final Towson plays UMass and a chance to win their third fourth straight CAA title and the fifth in six years. Start with UMass, who is probably the best CAA team right now. They have a good goalie in Sean Scanone. Scanone. I guess that's right. They have some good Tackman and a good rookie in Chris Connolly, who was only limited to one assist. But they have guys like Jeff Trainer had two goals and three assists. Buddy Carr had two and two. Isaac Paparo, one of the better defensemen in the country. He had one assist. Didn't have a cost turnover. And again, as I mentioned, Scanone had 11 saves in the win. Jack Con Cannon, though. Shout out to him. Give some credit to the senior goalie from Hofstra, 22 saves for the Pride goalie. 22, I think it's a career, that's definitely career high. Maybe a program high, maybe a tournament high, 22 saves, but one of two goalies that actually made 20 plus saves in the win, in, in, the, in their games on Thursday. But UMass moves on, Towson on the other hand also moves on. Should be a great game. They played each other early in the season in the CAA play where UMass beat them 8-4. I would expect a little bit more scoring in this one. But we'll see what Natalin has with his death trap this time around at UMass. That game is at Saturday at 1 p.m. Sadly, you have to pay for it on LSN. 
So if you have Google Incognito, you could use that because I used that a lot last night if I wanted to watch those games. And it bypasses the paywall and you get five minutes free. So you just have to close an Incognito window and reopen it up if you want to watch those games. To the America East, and this is where I guess the quality of teams starts to diminish. Uh, Vermont, it was a this was a yeah uh, kind of game. Eight four winners over Stony Brook. It was three odd half. Uh, Vermont scored one goal in the third quarter. Ben French, and then they scored three more in the fourth quarter, all in a five zero run before Wayne White cut the lead to seven four. Ian McKay scored the eventual eighth goal for the Catamounts. Eight four win. He had five goals on 12 shots in that game. One assist as well. So he's the alpha, easily, obviously the alpha of this offense. And Nick Washuda, 16 saves. So another big day for the goalies. Washuda, Con Cannon, I think there were one or two others, if I'm correct. Um, But a big day for Vermont. They didn't have a lot of offensive scoring. Unlike the other game, which was a, uh, a kind of a surprise. To start, UMass Lowell led 7-5 to five at half. And then all of a sudden, hi, we're Albany. Five goals third, five goals fourth. They won 15-10. It was still tied at the end of the third quarter. Or actually, excuse me. Uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter, Matt Balter scored UMass Lowell's 10th goal with 12.56 left. But then Albany decided, you know what, enough's enough. McClancy, Eccles, Jacob Patterson had two goals. Sean Eccles actually had two goals. And McClancy with the other goal. Five-goal run. End the game. 15-10 your final. They will play Vermont in a rematch of a blowout 21-7, I believe, the last the first time they met back in March. And we interviewed both Scott Marr and Chris Fife's for that game. Uh, good interview for both. Chris Fife's a great guy. Scott Marr, another great guy. Uh, so if you want to look back, and reminisce over the regular season meeting, do so on our podcast. I will put that link on our uh, collegecross.com article page uh, when this podcast gets uploaded as well. So that game, I believe, is at noon on ESPNU, if I'm correct, on Saturday for the America East title game. I would have Albany winning that game. Um, but I think it is noon on the U, and it is noon on the U. I think Albany will take that game, and I think they start off better this time around. Moving to the MAC, where I believe this was the only conference to have their top seed knocked off on Thursday. Quinnipiac losing to Canisius, who is a good Canisius team, 11-10 in overtime. Canisius pretty much held this game. They led this game for the most part, except for the first six seconds of the game where Volvilletelli right away scored a goal, gave a one nothing lead, but uh, Canisius took it right away. Uh, they were leading for the most part until the fourth quarter when uh, Mike Fletcher scored a goal to make it a 9-8 lead, and then Volvilletelli again with his fourth of the season, second of the day, make it 10-9. Carter Stefaniak with the game-tying goal, 12 seconds left in the game in regulation, and then Ryan McKee ending it for Canisius with 2.59 left. Both of those goals off Connor Keenan, who is the MAC Offensive Player of the Year, 
He eventually finished with two goals and three assists. Stephen Koss had two and four. Mark McKee and Stefaniak each had two goals each. And this is a this is a potent offense that Canisius has. And I kind of mentioned that Canisius has a very good offense. Quinnipiac had a good defense, but in the end, the offense won. Uh, the Bobcats were led by Ryan Corcoran's three. Foster Cuomo didn't really have a big day until the fourth quarter when he scored two straight goals in the fourth quarter. And he was one of the, I believe he was a first team All-Mac on offense at attack. And he didn't do a lot there. Liam Ganshorn had 12 saves to backstop the Golden Griffins, who will meet Detroit Mercy after they were down 8-4. Excuse me, 9-5. I don't think they were even down. No, 9-5 with 8.31 left in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, Detroit Mercy wakes up 7 Goals in the final 8:09 of the game. Sean Burney, then Patrick Washington, Lucas Ducharme, then Matthew Vangelin, who scored the game tying and game winning goals, followed by Patrick Walsh again, and then Brendan Kamish. 12-9, your final Detroit Mercy. Woke up on offense. Vangelin, Vangelin at three and two. You also had Charlie, Mr. Charlie Hayes. With five ground balls, the Max best short stick D midi out there. I believe he was the defensive player of the year, one of them. I don't think he was. Noah Lode, I believe one of the other, the first team All-Mac goalie. 16 saves. So these goalies had a fantastic day for save stats. But I believe right now two of the three that I mentioned, Lode and John Con- Jack Concannon, lost those games. And the only one that won was uh, Nick Washuda with 16 saves. Logan Shamblin at 11. So it'll pay, pay defense with Detroit Mercy, who has a good guy in Vangelin against offense in Canisius and Kiernan. Saturday, that game, I believe, will be at 10 o'clock on ESPNU. That will be the first game of the conference championship Saturday at 10 a.m. So wake up with some early lacrosse. And more than likely, they will have to play Wednesday in the playing game. More than likely, I think definitely they will because the MAC is the worst conference out of the 10 conferences we have this year. I will be thrilled to watch the MAC title game, and you should too, to the NEC, where both tops, actually, no, not top seeds, the one seed, St. Joe's, moved on, and the three seed, Robert Morris, who we all thought would have been a two seed, but they lost to Bryant, and they lost to St. Joe's. Both of them moved on. It'll be an all-Pennsylvania showdown for the the NEC title game Saturday at noon on ESPN3. Not the NEC front row, the ESPN3, and I believe it's kind of their transition for our, the NEC to go to the ESPN family of networks. Uh, you should maybe expect to see them on ESPN Plus beginning next year for lacrosse coverage. Which, by the way, is still a good service. I did try, I just got the seven-day free trial just for the games yesterday. It's just like ESPN 3, so I don't really think it'll be that bad. St. Joe's had a 4-1 first quarter. They were leading this game 6-3 until Sacred Heart decided, hey, we're here, folks. They scored five goals in the third quarter. They tied that game up at eight before Mike Restivo and Chris Blewett scored two goals to help the Hawks get by the Pioneers by two, 11 to nine. 
Uh, Chris Blewett, as I mentioned, three and one. Kyle Kane and Will McNamara, the former Virginia uh, D Mitty, had two goals each. And then Mike Gadler made ten saves. A very good goalie, showing why he was a first team or a second team goalie on and one of the better rookies in the NEC and even in the nation. Uh, Max Tuttle was kind of stuffed. One goal, one assist on four shots, but he was the uh, league's MVP. And for some reason, he doesn't start. I don't really understand that. But either way, uh, pretty much led by Logan Ligeberg and Joe Segisi with two goals each. Trevor Johnson also had two goals in that game. And in the second game, it was all Robert Morris. Three goals each quarter. They were pretty much led by their offense. Jimmy Perkins had three goals. Tyson Gibson had two goals. And Brad McCauley also had two goals each. Marco Rourke carried the Bryan offense with three goals. And Alex Heger made 15 saves on the day to help the Colonials face a rematch against the Hawks, who they played just on Saturday. I believe that game was a one-goal game up in rural Pittsburgh. It was an 8-7 loss to the Hawks. And more than likely, the winner of this game will play in the playing game, unless Richmond loses, which could mean both of these teams could play and the in the non in the non playing game, we move on. Have that first round bye that nearly everyone else has. And then finally, the SoCon Richmond moves on. They beat Furman, doubling up Furman, sixteen to eight, with a seven goal fourth quarter and a five goal second quarter. Kind of expected there. Uh, Ryan Lanesbury had three goals, one assist. Teddy Hatfield, the big contributor, had three goals and four assists. Goalie. Uh, Blake Goodman made 10 saves on the day. And then High Point losing to Jacksonville by a score of 12-11. to 11. The Dolphins coming back. Four goals in the final frame. Believe they had a nice run. They scored eight of the final nine goals in the game. And seven of the eight in regulation had two separate four-goal runs. Split up by an Adam Dixon goal to make it 11-8. to eight. But very good game for the Dolphins to come back from. McLean Chickwin had 5-2 and two to lead all scorers. Jeremy Winston had 2-2. Two and two And Evan Tyler, especially with the game winner, had three goals. And for high point, Asher Knowlton kind of stopped. No goals, two assists. Connor Robinson carried the offense with four goals each. And Tim Troutner, another big goalie, had a lot of saves. 22 saves lost. So goalies got worked. But for most of them, they lost. And that is your conference semifinal recap. Now we still have one more conference. One more conference to get rid of. And that is the the Ancients. The Ivy League tournament in New York City, New York. Well, kind of New York. Columbia University will host this year. Who doesn't have a men's lacrosse team? I think the only Ivy League that school that does not have a men's lacrosse team. Yale will play Penn in the 1-4 matchup. That game, I believe, is at 5 o'clock on ESPNU today. And then the second Ivy League matchup pits Cornell, who is kind of in a bubble right now on maybe the good side of the bubble, playing Brown. That game's at 8.30. The first game's actually at 6. Either way, both games are on ESPNU. Anish, Kirk, Quint, and, yes, Ryan Boyle will be on the call for that one. Can't wait to hear... Ryan Boyle on the A-team. For Penn, 
two biggest two biggest teams in this tournament, Penn and uh, Cornell, respectively. First, Penn, they need to win because if they don't, they're going to be under 500, completely ineligible to make the tournament. And some bracketologists have Penn in the NCAA tournament right now. I don't uh, because you're 7-7. Seven and seven. You have the best strength of schedule. You have a good RPI. But the record, it's 7-7. Seven and seven. I'm not buying a 7-7 seven and seven team. It could, you could be UNC, who won the ACC tournament last year and got in. But Penn has yet to win their conference tournament. And even if they win one game, you're talking about it. And maybe, you know, you get get some traction there. But I, I think even if you're 8-8, eight and eight, you win one, lose one. I, it, it, I don't know. You know, if, the, if that happens, I would be a little bit more open to putting Penn in. Because the bubble sucks. You had Rutgers lose. You had Ohio State lose. Bucknell didn't even play this week. They lost their uh, Patriot League quarterfinal matchup to BU. Navy lost to Lehigh in the Patriot League semifinals. Penn State's out. Villanova lost to Georgetown. Who knows where they are. Syracuse, we don't know what's happening with them. They lose. That throws the bubble off completely, but I think... Even so, they still might be in because how weak the bubble is. If they win, they're fine. Uh, and then Cornell, the other the other bubble team, who was playing Brown. The first time they met, it was kind of all Cornell. It's a few weeks ago. 19-5. to <laughs> Brown lost. And before they scored 20 goals against Dartmouth. Brown gave up 27 to Yale. They gave up 12 to Providence. They gave up 19 to Cornell. And they gave up 17 to Bryant. So let's let's do the math here. 27, all right, plus 12, that's 39. You add another 19, you have 58, 17. Altogether, that's 75 goals in four games. This Brown defense sucks. Uh, now, Phil Goss is a first-team All-Ivy League goalie, and he's probably their best spot in, in goal. But maybe if he was supposed to be that Jack Kelly, he probably could be that Jack Kelly. You could put him there, he'd be fine, but he doesn't have a defense. That's the entire problem. And now even the offense isn't scoring as they used to. Those hot, that high-powered offense. They gave him 27 goals to, to Yale. 27! Name a defense that gives up 27 goals. Not even VMI, not even Hampton, not even Wagner would give up 27 goals. Yale scored 27 on them. That's just how bad this team is. And somehow they're in because they beat Penn. Who else they beat? Obviously Dartmouth, but who cares? They beat Princeton, who was... And then they somehow shut out Jeff Teat, which is unbelievable in itself. I love this season. I love this sport. If Brown shuts off Jeff Teat, just throw everything in the air. Just for, don't, don't read bracketology anymore. Just just shrug at the final two teams that are going to be in the bubble. All right? Just just shrug. Just put shrug emojis. Because I don't know. I don't I don't know. If Syracuse loses, then just burn the entire bubble. Just don't even have a bubble. Just put all the conference winners and play them. Have the, each other play each other. 10 conference winners, you have a playing game with the the lower four conference winners, and it's just an eight-team tournament because the bubble sucks. And sorry, Duke, and sorry, uh, Virginia, 
but maybe we could include you too. Maybe just make it 12 teams because they kind of deserve it. Everyone else, burn to the ground because this bubble is awful. My God. And it could be getting worse tonight. If Penn wins and Cornell loses, who knows? This bubble and then Cornell and then Penn loses again to Brown. Brown making the big the Ivy League tour, the NCAA championship. <laughs> Stop. Just just have Penn lose tonight, please. Just get it over with. Uh the Lax Vegas lines. I want winners. Have Yale winning. As well, Yale's a favorite by uh, four and a half line. I will take. Uh, I'm taking Yale, but I'm not taking the line because previously, uh, the series has been very close by a goal or two or three. Unfortunately, this time around it was six goals. I think that changes. Give me Yale winning, but Penn plus four and a half. Cornell is a five goal favorite over Brown. We all expect the top. We all wanted a matchup past two, three years in the Ivy League tournament. And we never got it. Yale will win, even though it will be close. But Brown will beat Cornell, so give me Brown plus five. And I think they edge out Cornell by one because we all want a Yale-Cornell matchup, but instead we get a Yale-Brown matchup, and we don't even want Brown in this year. The Ivy League better have the best two teams, and Yale and Cornell play each other. Sunday afternoon on ESPNU. Please, just for the sake of college lacrosse itself, we just ask you. Yale, do your job. Cornell, do your job. That's all we ask. It's simple as that. Just do your goddamn job, and we'll all be happy. All right, I'm going to end this. Uh, Make sure you listen on a lot of our platforms. SoundCloud, you also have... Uh, Stitcher and tune in. I think right now Stitcher's not working or kind of not working. So if you listen to Stitcher, I don't even know who does. That's fine. Sorry about that. Go to uh, tune in or go to uh, SoundCloud or go to iTunes because you can subscribe to our podcast right there across college lacrosse. You can follow me on Twitter at CF Jastrzemski. You can follow College Cross as well on Twitter at college underscore cross. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Also, five-star reviews, five stars would be beneficial. We have nine ratings. We actually got a, uh, another review um, from Ari underscore Barrister. That's actually our um, our uh, site manager. This is a great podcast. Simple as that. Five words. That's all you need to know. This is a great podcast, and it certainly is. When we have guests on, it's even better, but... Since I have school, and even when I record them, it's okay. But when we have guests on, it's great. We will be back tomorrow. We will recap the semifinals of the Ivy League. We will preview the championship games for the other seven conferences. We might go into the other three regular season games that are happening on Saturday and Sunday. We might not. Do we even care for those games? Not really. Unless one team loses in the ACC then we kind of do care because that might throw off the tournament a little bit. But I don't think it will that much. And with that, enjoy the weather this weekend. I think it might be raining in some parts of the country or the world, wherever you listen. But if it's warm or hot, stay cool 
and stay hydrated out there, everybody. We'll see you on Saturday. Bye, Felicia.